Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Song of Solomon has eight chapters. And it's such an important matter of discussion that two chapters alone in the book of Solomon are dedicated to dealing with this subject matter where we're talking about conflict. Out of all the eight chapters, two alone are just dealing with conflict. And we saw how this couple found themselves attracted to each other. We saw how this couple got together and we saw how they were able to consummate their marriage. And what we're going to see now is that now they're finally going to hit this point in their marriage where they're going to have to deal with some conflict. Somebody's not happy here. And I want to show you all how they worked through it and what happened in the end. All couples fight. I just have to say that. All couples fight. Whether you're dating whether you're married, whether you're thinking about dating, all couples fight. And I'm about to tell you something. It's okay. There's a difference, though. Watch this. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. I want to win. I'm going to, we're going to go back and forth until you understand my point. And I want to share with you all, there is no winning. There is no, no victory for anybody if you just continue to fight and go back and forth. Tommy Nelson, a, a relationship expert who, who teaches this exact series, been teaching it since the 90s uh, and is still teaching it today. He says this, there are three stages of marriage. There are three stages of marriage. There's first the honeymoon. I don't have to explain that. It's I say, we say I do, and then we consummate and everything is lovely, right? And I told y'all last week that the honeymoon phase is very short-lived. The honeymoon phase is very short-lived. And, and then there's this, the second part is the disillusionment phase, there's this, this, the phase of disillusionment. And what I mean is that there's this illusion you had before marriage of the person that you married. And then after y'all got married and said, I do. And after the honeymoon phase, the real person shows up. Okay, I'm talking to a few people this morning. <laughs> there's the second phase of disillusionment. And then there's finally third. This, this is when, when you're really married. This is when you're really in the trenches. This is when your, your, your marriage is tested. You ready? The final phase is commitment. This is, now I see this person who I really married. Now the real person has shown up. Now I'm committed to loving them flaws and all. 
accepting their imperfections, accepting their messiness, accepting the good, the bad, and the indifference. That's the commitment phase. Now, here's what happens uh, with this couple during the commitment phase. Watch this. Song of Solomon 5, 2 through 3. And this will be on the screen. If you don't have it, it's also in your notes. It says this. This is the woman speaking. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Let me pause right there. She's not talking about her physical heart. Remember, if we, if we remember the earlier chapters, they, they just describe each other in so uh, vivid and warm and beautiful uh, uh, words, you know. So her heart is her husband. He's awake is what she's saying. I was asleep, but he was awake. I'll continue on. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open up to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. He was trying to, all the kids go, initiate sex. This particular, and you, if you read Song of Solomon from beginning to end, whenever they reference the door being open, it always is a reference to sexual relations being initiated. So here's the deal. Here's the story. Let me just make it plain. It's nighttime. Brother man probably just came in from work and doing whatever. He wants to wake his wife up. He wants to initiate something with his wife. Been away all day, probably been working, laboring, and the whole time he's laboring, he's thinking about, man, I cannot wait to get back home to my beautiful, lovely wife and all of her wonderfulness. Now, by the way, this... Some time has gone on already in their marriage. This is not like the day after consummation. This is not just after those seven days of consummation. No, this is some time that's gone on. Here's her response to that. Ready? Here's her response. He, he said, my head is drenched with dew. My hair is, is damp from the night. And here's what she says. She says, but I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? In Hebrew, that means I have a headache. Ain't nothing going down tonight. My hair got did. Uh, no. In Hebrew, <laughs> I'm just playing. I don't mean that in Hebrew. But loosely translated, she's saying, I'm not in the mood tonight, bro. I know you've been out all day. I get that. But I've been home all day. I'm tired. So she rejects him. So, so here's what happens. And you can read this in Scripture. He keeps trying to pursue her. He keeps trying. He's doing his thing. So he walks toward the door. He puts a little bit of frankincense and myrrh, a little oil on the doorknob. Goes outside the door. He's still knocking. Now, now when, when a man does this, he's letting you know. Now, now, oil was rare. Frankincense and myrrh, that was some rare and special stuff. Now, that's expensive. That's, that's more expensive than this perfume you buy at Macy's and stuff. So he put that on the door to let her know, I want you, baby. And she's still resisting. Finally, she goes and, 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 and checks the door, and she feels, and you read Scripture, she says, I felt the oil on the knob. He was trying to attract her. He was trying to get some things happening, but she yet rejected. Here's what I want to share with you all. Here's what I want to share with you all. The root causes of conflict. Let's start there. Can we start there? There are two root causes of conflict. And then we're going to unpack this scripture a little bit more. 
The first one is unmet expectations. The first root cause of conflict is unmet expectations. In other words, Solomon thought, remember when we consummated our marriage? Remember how we got it on? Remember I had you in the bridal room, in the bridal chamber, and I took my time. I described how beautiful your hair was and how pretty your teeth were and how each and every one had a twin. In other words, she had all of her teeth and how beautiful her breasts were. And he took his time and broke it down and everything happened. And they had this wonderful consummation of their marriage. And she loved it. I mean, she was like, go ahead and take your garden. This is your garden. Go ahead and feast in your garden. She said that. That's her words. And and they had a time. And Solomon in his mind is thinking, this is going to happen all the time. Husbands were thinking, wow, if they waited till marriage and night one when it happened. Okay, let me say it this way. If you didn't wait till marriage, you thought that all the stuff y'all were having before marriage is going to happen once you say I do. And all of a sudden, she's got a headache. And, and, and wives, no, 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 I'm not going to just stop there. Guys, listen, when, when he was courting you, oh, my God, the brother was like, baby, I wrote you a poem. He was making you mixtapes of love songs and stuff and leaving them on your voicemail. Come on, I'm talking to some people this morning. Huh? He was, he was texting you. I'm just, you know, I'm just checking on you today. How you doing, baby? You know, he was bringing you flowers. And then, and then to get your girlfriends jealous, he would send them to your job. Some, somebody know what I'm talking about this morning. But then all of a sudden, you said, I do. And there's the, the boom boom has went bam. And the flowers have yet died. The letters, I guess your ink, your pen ran out of ink. But there are no more letters. And now when you call him, it's a problem. It's like your conversations are short. Before y'all talked all night about, about just anything. Uh, can, can you see the moon the way I see the moon tonight, baby? Oh, my God, I swear I see your reflection in it. Now it's just like, hey, that close the curtains, the moon too bright. I don't even want to talk about it. And what, what, what has happened here is we, we're in this phase of unmet expectations. She was expecting you to be Casanova 24-7 and you were expecting to make love to your wife every single day. Uh, you, she was expecting you to be Mr. Fix-It around the house but, but you can't even glue something together well. You were expecting her to cook a meal every day but it's takeout five days a week and two days she'll cook a Sunday sometimes. Okay. We don't have to tell the truth in this building today. There's unmet expectations. That's the first cause of conflict. I expected certain things to happen a certain way. And, and, and sisters, you thought, oh, my God, when, when we first met, the way he is with his niece and his nephew and other kids, oh, he is going to be so involved. He's going to be like an involved dad. But it's like you're begging him to read a doggone bedtime story at night. You're begging him to help get the kids to bed. All of a sudden, this guy you thought was such a perfect guy to be a great dad is just lackadaisical. And he thought, oh, my God, she's, you know, she, she, she looks good all the time. She, you know, when we come to bed, when she comes to bed at night, I know she's going to be wearing something sweet. But you wore your old raggedy college T-shirt with the matching ripped up sweatpants. All right, I'm, all right, let me move on. <laughs> Unmet expectations is the first cause 
of the, is one of the root causes of conflict. Here's, here's the second one. And wa- watch this. Watch this. Here's the second one. Self-centeredness. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I want and less about what she needs. It's all about what she wants and less about what he desires. Self-centeredness. And, and here we have in this moment in this scripture, Solomon, who's been out all day doing whatever he does. I mean, he comes in saying, my head is drenched from the dew. In other words, I've been out all day making a living to provide for you, woman. Let, and let me, and this is special. You know, Solomon could have said, listen, I got a whole bunch of other wives and some legal concubines, but I choose to be here with you, woman, and you're going to act like this. He didn't do that, though. He didn't do that. He, he kept pursuing. He kept pursuing. He could have been so, but in that moment, he's like, I've been out all day, and all I want is to come home to you. And she's saying, you've been out all day. You could have sent a messenger or something to say, hey, baby, how you doing? Can I bring you something home when I get home on my way home or something? You didn't do none of that. So she's, she's salty. They're both self-centered. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I desire. Me, 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 me. Self-centeredness. And we all get caught up in this. Eventually, Solomon walks away. Watch this. Ephesians 6, 12, Paul tells us clearly, he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers. Do you know every time me and my wife have a conflict, I go to that scripture. I'm mean, like, you know, the devil is busy. He's just trying to draw a wedge between what's good. Let me just pause, chill out. We'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll get on the same accord. And I think that if we realize that, if we take pause, if we take time to think about it, you know, our beef is not with each other. Listen, we made a covenant before God. I'm not beefing with you, baby. And you're not beefing with me. You know what, you know what it is? It's stuff that's outside of this house that we're beefing about. Your issue is really not, not, not me uh, picking up or whatever. Your issue is what happened. You already upset. And I think I tried to initiate something too soon. I'm already upset because I done brought the world into our home. And, and you, you, you know what? Let me pause. And so this is what we need to do. We need to, we need to get out of our self-centeredness. Forget thinking about what you need. Forget thinking about, what, 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 what's about what, what your needs are. Begin thinking about your spouses. Honestly, both, husband and wife. Begin thinking about what their needs. And, and really think about what are they, what are they asking for? What, 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 what was Solomon asking for? Sure, he wanted to, to be, you know, intimate physically with his wife. But was he, was he really interested in that? I don't know, but I'm just looking here. Was he interested more in that or more interested in spending time with her? Was he just interested in intimacy? What, what, was, she, was she more interested in just hearing from him and being with him than, 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 than him just coming home and trying to initiate something. They both were caught up in this self-centeredness. So the two, two root causes of conflict are unmet expectations and self-centeredness. Now, I got some good news for you today, and it's free 99, okay? I won't even charge you for this. I'm going to tell you how you handle this conflict. I'm going to tell you how to confront it and deal with it face to face, head on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through just three simple steps on how you can do it. Now, it's not exactly from 
the Song of Solomon. Some of it will be. But what I want to do today is make sure that you leave with some practical things that you can apply immediately to not just, if you're married, to your marriage relationships, to any relationship where you deal or face conflict. All right? So, so here's how we do it. Ready? First thing you ought to do, and it's, I'm telling you, I'm not giving you something that I don't do. Now, I'm not saying it works every single time. Sometimes it takes a little bit more work. It even takes some, I'll be honest, sometimes it may even take a mediator. But if you follow these three steps, I promise you, your relationships will be healthy for a long time. Do these three things, trust me. Number one thing you must do is respond and not react. And here's our problem. Many of us react. We forgot about the response. We react. We react. We, 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 we have this thing. Listen, Romans 12, 21 says this. Don't let evil conquer you. This is why we react. We're upset. You've offended me. You've said something wrong. You've spoken to me the wrong way. I don't like your tone. Blah, 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 blah. It's all about me. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. Why is it, watch this, why is it that in our marriages we feel like we're being attacked and we find it necessary to criticize the other person? It got quiet in here. Why is it that not even, even if it's not in a marriage situation, why is it in our relationships when, 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 when the, anybody, our boss, our friends, a family member says something? Now, some family members can be a little bit, you know, outside of it. But seriously, why is it when someone says something to us that we don't like, we find it necessary, we feel like we're being attacked? It's not, and we don't feel like it's helpful, especially in marriage. When our spouse presents something to us that, that, that may not be comfortable for us to accept, it may not be an easy pill to swallow. Why do we feel like we're being attacked? And our rebuttal is criticize. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I didn't say nothing when you did back in, you know, back, you know, back in 2001. I'm going to tell you, you know, I, remember, I remember the time when you said, when they point out something with you, especially if they do it out of love, we feel attacked by the person that loves us and knows us the most intimately. Why is that the case? Marriage is the only, watch this, <laughs> there, it, let, me, let me just say this. There is no other relationship where we look at criticism as a way to resolve our issues. For some reason in our marriages, we feel like if you say something wrong to me, I'm going to point my finger back at you. But you never do that to your boss at your job. Oh, it got quiet because I'm telling the truth. Your boss says, you know what, today... You know, last week you did so and so and so and so. You don't go to your boss and say, yeah, but boss, you know, you, you know, a couple months ago you didn't do your thing right either. You don't say that. Why? Because you get fired. We need to have that same type of urgency in our, in our marriages. Like, you know what? I'm not going to criticize you because I might get fired. And the thing is, I'm not going to get fired from my spouse. I'm going to get fired by God. See, that's the type of fear we need to have. Not the fear of the response of our spouse, but the fear of the response of our God. Because we made a covenant with, that's the only covenant you make on earth. You don't make a covenant with your boss. You may sign a contract to work for a term, but it's not a covenant. You've made a covenant with God before God to God to remain committed to this person. 
So, when that person points out something that may not be right for me, instead of criticizing them, I need to respond in the spirit and not react in the flesh. And too many of us do that. Respond in the spirit. In other words, let me go to God first and then let you and I have some dialogue. I'm going to go to God and you go to God as well. Amen? So the first thing you must do to handle conflict is respond and not react. Respond in the spirit and not react in the flesh. Let God work on you both. Let God do the work. Let God do the work. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It may seem like God is not working because maybe the other spouse is not responding. Perhaps that's God still working, but God has a different plan. I'm just being honest here. I'm being very practical. There's a lot of times we jump into situations where we were not yoked to begin with and we try to force fit it. It's like trying to put a size 10 in a size 7 shoe. It ain't going to work. No matter how cute you think it looks, your foot ain't going to fit in it. And sometimes we do that in our relationships. We try to force size 10 relationships in size 7 size shoes. Oh, man, I'm preaching that this morning. I like the way that sounded to me. Yes, indeed. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to focus on the good and not the bad. I want you to focus on the good and not the bad. Let me share something with you. You've all heard of one of the greatest evangelists in our modern time, a guy by the name of Reverend Billy Graham. Billy Graham, they said, he was known to spend at least seven months away from home doing the work of God. And he had this beautiful wife. His wife is Ruth Graham. And, and they did an interview with Ruth Graham one time. And they asked Ruth, they said, the, 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 the interviewer he says, the reporter says, Ruth, how do you handle, how do you deal with, you know, Billy being gone seven months out of the year? How, how do you handle that? I mean, you've got the kids by yourself. How do you handle that? And Ruth responded, she says, this is so beautiful. She says, I would rather spend five months with Billy than 12 months than with any other man on this world. Five months with Billy is better than 12 months with any man in this world. Why? Because she was focusing on how good those five months are with Billy. She wasn't focusing on the seven months he was gone. No, that don't matter. I want to focus on what's good, what's right now. And a lot of times, watch this, we spend far too much time looking at those things that don't please us anymore with our spouse. Ouch. You used to, baby, you know what? You used to dress up all every single day, even to go to the supermarket. You would you wouldn't leave the house looking any old kind of way. But now you just throw on sweatpants and just go. Does that matter? Is she not still the most incredible person? Is she not the perfect mom for your children? Is she not still the most loving and caring spouse she's ever been? Does she not still cook your doggone meals and wash your funky laundry? Okay, I'm going to stop right there this morning. Focus on the good and not the bad. Stop thinking about all of this. Yes, every relationship has bad moments. Every relationship has conflict. Every relation has issues. That's, it's designed that way. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Watch this. If you've ever seen a perfect marriage, here it is. One of them speaks, one of them doesn't. In other words, <laughs> there's one person that is always active and the other person just says, yes, 
Yes. Yes. It's not a relationship. It's a, it's a slave and master relationship. It's not a marriage. If two people don't have an equal opinion in their marriage, then it's not a marriage. So there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's flaws in all of us. If there are any perfect people here, you're in the wrong place. Because this room is full of people that are imperfect, that are flawed and jammed up, who've got issues and they're working through it. This is a room full of practicing Christians, people who are working day and day to be the best they can be, but still trip up every now and again. That includes the pastor. And so since I know that we're all flawed, you need to know the same thing about your spouse. Your spouse is flawed. Your spouse is not perfect. Your spouse is going to miss the mark every now and again. Your spouse is going to piss you off. I said that, yes. But that gives you no recourse to leave. That gives you no recourse to even throw the D word out there. That gives you no recourse. You don't have any license to ever speak down or disrespect or hurt your spouse. Because when you do that, you're not hurting your spouse. You are hurting God Almighty. And when you realize who you're really offending in this process, I think that we'll take a pause and begin to think about how we respond to our spouse. Remember, you made a covenant. That covenant was between three people, you, your spouse, and God. You cannot exclude the main person, God. It's a covenant. It's a biblically binding agreement that, that, that is without end with God. Understand that. So, so, so focus on the good. You know, what, when, when, when I can't talk to my wife, when we are at a point where we can't really have conversation, I'm, and, and I'm being honest, we are at those moments every now and again. I look, I mean, I tear the house upside down looking for a video that we recorded September 27th, 2003 in Tallahassee, Florida. It's our wedding video. And I play that video, and we'll sit there and laugh, and then we just start talking about, you know, how I, you know, I was supposed to throw the garter, and I was being all fancy, and I ended up throwing it on the rafters or something in the roof, and so they had to get a ladder. I mean, we start talking about how flubbed up that day was. We start talking about, you know, we, we showed a video of her breaking it down and stuff. And then, and then we go back to, to the scene where the, the videographer interviewed us both about how important this day was to us. And, and, and we go back to the scene where she said all of these wonderful things about why I'm marrying Broderick Santiago because he's this type of man. He's a godly man. She starts preaching about how wonderful I am. And then he pans to me in a separate room. And I start talking about how wonderful and how perfect Erica is for us. And all of a sudden, what we were arguing about, we forgot because we remembered the good. Oh, my God, that's great. We need to focus on the good and not the bad. We already know bad exists, but you got to sometimes search through the muck to find the gold. You know, one of the most precious jewels that God ever created is a diamond. Did you know you don't find a diamond on grass? You find a diamond in the deepest depths of the earth. And once you find that diamond, it don't look like a diamond. It looks like a lump of coal. And what it takes is that you chisel away that coal and shape it and mold it to the point where it is the strongest stone ever created. It can cut through steel. It can cut through other rocks. Your marriage needs to be like a diamond in all. Oh, my God, it needs to be like a diamond in the rough found in the center of the earth that you got to just kind of mold and chisel and use God as your chisel to shape it so that it can be the strongest and most rare jewel that God ever created. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. That's what marriage is. 
respond and not react. Focus on the good and the bad. Philippians says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And if you're spending time thinking about all of the mess, that's not worthy of praise. Think about all of the good that the person you're with has and celebrate them in that. And that's in any relationship. That's at your church. That's at your school. That's at your job. That's with your family. Stop thinking about how flawed they are and start looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm flawed too. I used to be hanging with them. I used to do what they used to do. But God saved me. He can save them too. Oh, my goodness. Stop focusing on the bad and focus on the good. Here's my, my, final, my final point here this morning. Talk and not walk. Talk and not walk. See, Solomon was good, right? Solomon was pursuing his woman. He, he wanted her, and, and she just said, no, I, don't, you know, I got a headache tonight, homeboy. But he kept pursuing her, and he put a little oil on the door. That's where he did good, but at the same time, he did bad. And let me tell you why. You shouldn't have been at the door, my brother, in the first place. If you are already in your wife's presence, what the heck are you doing getting up and leaving for? You've already messed up. He did good by pursuing her, but he shouldn't have made it to the door to put oil on there in the first place. He should have kept pursuing her. And if need be, take a pause, read the Bible, you know, do something, let her get her mind together, whatever the case may be, but don't walk. If we continue to read Scripture, this particular Scripture, Solomon walked out. Like, he literally left. He pursued, he put oil that wasn't enough, now, he's, he's all sad. I didn't get my way, Pauline. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And there's some brothers in here who've done that. That's why I got quiet. Oh, oh it ain't going down today. I'm going to go watch ESPN. Oh, it ain't going down today. I'm going to go play the video game. Oh, it ain't going down today. I'm going to go in my man cave. Women have done it too. Oh, 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 oh. You, you don't want to take out the trash? Not tonight, brother. I'm so sick of y'all using that as a tool against us. Shame on you. Don't have me go back and quote 1 Corinthians again where it says, do not deny. Now, come on now, don't, don't make me do it. Do not deny each other unless it is mutually agreed. And only time it should be mutually agreed is because you decided to pause for what? Prayer. So that means we're going to pray but maybe in a couple hours. Y'all stop doing that, sisters. I'm being very serious. Y'all use that as a tool. To, to It's like a bone. Oh, better yet, have y'all ever seen the dog races, the greyhound dog races? Y'all know how those things happen? Let me explain to you. Y'all think they just open up a gate and those dogs run? No. They're chasing a rabbit at the end. And, and, that's, and, and, and the one that wins, he really wanted that rabbit. And that's what y'all do to men, a lot of y'all. I'm very serious. Oh, you don't want to get right? Okay. Come on, get it. Come on, get it. You take the trash out, you can have it. And then you wonder why we're mad when we don't catch the rabbit. All right, I'm going to move on. Can, I, can, we, can we talk? Can I be honest today? Are we grown folk? Y'all want some help this morning? Let me give it to you. It ain't going to be cute, but I'm giving it to you. Stop it. Stop it. Brother, stop, stop 
pouting and sticking your big lip out, being all mad, talking about you ain't going to talk, you ain't going to do nothing, you ain't going to get engaged with the kids because you can't have your way. Sister, stop using that as a tool to control your husband. That stops today. That's an unhealthy marriage. That's an unhealthy relationship. That's an unhealthy situation. Stop dangling carrots over people. We do it to our kids. Our kids will eventually do it to their spouses. We do it to our coworkers. We do it to family. Stop dangling carrots. Stop shaking your rabbits. And let's be godly. Talk. Talk. When I was in premarital counseling, my wife and I, our premarital counselor told us one thing. i never forget. She said, do not go to bed angry. Don't, don't go to bed with unresolved conflict. Matter of fact, she used scripture to support that. And this is what she said. I'm going to share it with you. I'm being honest. She said this. Ephesians 4, 26, 7. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Our premarital counselor said that. And me and Erica had our very first disagreement. And we really took what she said serious. And we woke, I mean, I'm not lying. We sat downstairs in the living room just pouting and arguing back and forth. About, I don't even remember what it was. We went back and forth, back and forth. Well, we can't go to bed angry. Well, we can't. Well, we're just going to sit here to somebody, you know, till you see my point, until I see your point. Do you know what? We sat there till the sun came up. I looked over. We still sitting in our same clothes, sleep on the couch, unresolved issues. So here's what I'm going to tell you. That's true what he says. Don't let anger control you. Don't go to bed with unresolved issues. But this is what I'm going to tell you. Go to bed with unresolved issues. If y'all can't, be, if y'all can't come together, no sense of you stand up all night. Now you're tired and angry. And in the next couple of hours, you're going to be tired, hungry, and angry. Oh, my God, that's, a t- that's like a pit bull and Rottweiler mixed with something with a lion or something. Nothing's going to get resolved. Here's what I want to tell you that works. This is very practical. That's my goal, to give you something practical, something that you can use and take away today. Okay? This is what you need to do. Y'all, instead of beefing all night, let's say, you know what? Let's table this. If that means I'm going to sleep on the couch tonight, it'll only be for tonight. Because here's what'll happen. Y'all go to bed angry. Y'all get in the same bed. And y'all do this number. His back is facing your back. And then it's fighting for the cover. That's phase one, fighting for the cover. And then there's the heavy breathing. The other person leaves the TV on. They normally don't. But that's night. They want to watch TV in the bed. Y'all normally don't do that. They want to do this tonight. Oh, you're going to leave the TV on? Oh, is it bothering you? Why well, ask? It must be bothering me. Y'all know how this goes. Okay? Then, 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 then phase three is you act, your toe accidentally touched my toe. Oh, no, you did not just touch me. That ain't happening tonight. He's like, I wasn't trying to get none. I was adjusting, and I accidentally touched your toe. Now it's a whole nother argument. So what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters, that's really practical and applicable is that it's okay to pause Go to bed with a little frustration, but with a plan of working on a resolution. You can't just go to bed. I'm mad. I'm mad. Pastor B said we can go to bed. Good night. No, it's, listen, tell you what. We've both been up. We had a long day. Now we're beyond the point of comprehension. I'm angry. You're angry. I don't see your side. And we just keep trying to win. And I don't want a victory. I want a resolution. So here's what I'm going to do. 
if, if, if it's okay with you, and I even ask, and, this, and I've had to do this, if it's okay with you, I'm going to go sleep on the sofa tonight, and then in the morning, let's talk. And let me tell you what I do. Ask Erica. She'll tell you I'm not lying. When it gets to the point where we can't talk, I do exactly what I just said do. What I said is what I do. And then by the time she gets up, guess what I have waiting for her? Her coffee and the Bible at the center of the table. Let's talk. Here's what I, and, and what I do is I have my list of things that where I, where, I, where I think we missed it. And she's prepared to say, you know what, you're right, or I'm wrong, or no, you misunderstood what I was trying to say. But I start by doing what she loves to have. I know that if she don't have coffee first, we're just going to fight more. So I have her coffee ready. I have the Bible there, and we have a conversation. Does it work all the time? No. But is it peaceful in that moment so that we can begin the work? Yes. So what I'm telling you, if you're angry, y'all get to a point where, you know, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, you got to be at work at 4, go ahead, get some night-night. Get you some rest so that you can come together and resolve the issues. Listen, I want y'all to talk and not walk. Watch what happens later on in this marriage. Once they finally realize what their issue was really about and it's not about them. If, if you jump over with me, if you have your Bible, I want you to, if you have it, cool. If you don't, maybe Tia will get it up quick. She's normally fast. If not, she didn't know this was coming. I'll share this with you. Song of Solomon 6, 2, 3. Watch this. Remember, she told her husband, no, 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 no. I got a headache tonight, Holmes. No, no, no. That ain't going down. He left. Somewhere in there, she had some revelation. She began to think. She saw the oil on the door. Maybe he was trying a little hard. So this is what she says. She says, my lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice bed. Y'all remember what the garden is, right? Okay, let me remind you. His garden is her. My lover has gone down to his garden. They've resolved the conflict. To his spice beds, to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. Oh, he's taking it all in. I am my lover's and my lover is mine. He browses among the lilies. And watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Here's how he responds, right? This is so deep. I love Solomon. Solomon's got like, watch this. He tells her. He says, listen, even among 60 queens, those are 60 of his wives, even among 60 queens and 80 concubines, other women that he could legally be with, right? I would, and, and countless young women, and he's got a countless number of young women that he's hanging out with. Among all of these other women that I have legal access to without having any punishment, I would still choose my dove, my perfect one, the favorite of her mother, dearly loved by the one who bore her. The young women see her and praise her, even queens and royal concubines sing her praises. That's the one. You're the one. In the end, baby, now that we've resolved this issue, listen, y'all thought it was juicy the first time they consummated their marriage. This brother's like, listen, out of all of these other women that I'm with, you are the one that I most desire. They're, after this conflict, their, 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 their physical intimacy and emotional and spiritual intimacy catapulted and elevated to a whole nother level. If you resolve your conflict in a godly manner, 
oh my goodness, your marriage, your relationship is catapulted to a whole nother level. Here's what I want to do. I want y'all to do this with me because I want y'all to leave this place saying y'all learned something, y'all had some church, and, and y'all going to apply something. Y'all want, I want y'all to do this with me. I want y'all to say this with me. I want y'all to make this covenant with God and this commitment to this man, uh, I mean, to, to, uh, to this word. Sorry about that. Today. Y'all ready? I want y'all to say this with me. To handle conflict. Say it like you mean it. To handle conflict, I will respond in the spirit and not react in the flesh. I will focus on the good things and not the bad. I will choose to talk instead of walk away from the situation. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.